0: It's been about two years since I graduated college now, and let me tell you, I miss it so much. I miss all my college friends. I miss going to class. I miss my professors. I miss getting to do something new every semester. I have so many fun memories attached to college. And you know what? I never thought I'd say this, but I actually miss getting to do research projects and presentations as well. So, I thought, why not give myself a research project, and why not turn it into a podcast? Hello and welcome to Everyone's Special and No One Is, a podcast about obscure, misunderstood, and or controversial topics related to music. My name is Martin Chiselle, and this is the first episode in a multi-part podcast series, which I'm calling Credits Amended. And the reason I'm calling it Credits Amended is because I'm going to be touching on different stories about situations where a song was released, probably became really popular, and then people started noticing, oh wait, this song sounds like this other song which was already out a long time ago. And then there was an accusation that somebody was stealing someone else's song, and then the songwriting credits had to be amended to include the people who wrote the old song on the new song, which is just a horribly messy situation for everyone involved. And sometimes in these situations, the songwriters and artists actually try to keep it quiet. They don't really want to let it go out publicly but nonetheless, it is very common for these copyright infringement allegations to go really big in the news and everyone's talking about it because people love to talk about other people's mistakes and mishaps and misfortunes, as is the the nature of news today. <laughs>
1: Ariana Grande has officially settled a lawsuit over her 2019 smash hit single, Seven Rings" after a hip-hop artist accused her of plagiarizing the song that he wrote two years prior. Headline late today from Los Angeles, a verdict tonight in the Blurred Lines case. A jury deciding the case in favor of Marvin Gaye's children and awarding them $7.3 million, saying Robin Thicke and Pharrell borrowed from that song. With over one billion online streams, Uptown Funk has become one of the most popular songs of the decade, but the song's creator, Mark Ronson, has been accused by four different artists of copyright infringement.
0: All right, here we go. Let's do this. Uh, so the first song that I wanted to talk about that involves supposed a copyright infringement is the song Stay With Me by Sam Smith, which was originally released in 2014. It was accused of infringing on the song I Won't Back Down by Tom Petty, which was released in 1989. And before we get too deep into the story, I just need to put out there that in 2019, Sam Smith announced that they identify as non-binary and use they, them pronouns. So I'm going to do my best to use they, them for Sam Smith, you know, out of full respect for their identity throughout this episode. But... It's possible that I might accidentally use he him pronouns because all of the research that I've been doing are about articles from like 2014 and 2015, and that was all when this copyright infringement case was happening. And all of those articles, obviously, they they didn't know that they were non-binary at the time. So all these articles written about Sam Smith are still using he him pronouns. So that's what's been at the front of my mind, these articles with those pronouns in it. So if I make a mistake, Mistake and don't catch it i apologize up front it's not <laughs> it's not bad intention on my part um but i will do my best i just wanted to get that out of the way so okay um so to just walk through the story of how this ended up happening with the song so stay with me it was released in april 2014 and it was pretty much an instant hit. It entered the Billboard Hot 100 within the very first week of its release, which, you know, is pretty impressive, and it peaked at number two on the chart eventually, and it would stay on the chart for 54 weeks, which is crazy that it lasted on one of the most competitive charts in pop music, and it was on there for over a year. Like, that is that is very, very, very wild. <laughs> um, But anyway, so... Three months after the song came out, um, there was a small channel on YouTube with less than 2,000 subscribers called That Song Sounds Like, and they posted a short little video comparing Stay With Me to I Won't Back Down by Tom Petty. And so now I'm going to play you a little clip from that video of them showing the songs side by side.
2: Oh, won't you stay
0: Yeah. Okay. So they sound pretty, pretty similar. And I don't think that this one particular YouTube channel was the first to notice that these songs sounded the same, but uh, just over the course of basically the summer after it's released, there's, there's different people on the internet posting, hey, these songs sound similar, why why aren't they saying anything about it? It wasn't really in the news yet. It was more like, oh, this YouTuber here, this, this blogger over here. So, okay, let's do it. Let's figure out how close these two melodies are. And I want to focus in on just these first two melodic phrases. So on the piano, Stay With Me is basically... that's in the key of C. Technically, I won't back down is in the key of G major, but if we just play everything in the key of C, um, the melody of I won't back down goes. So that's, if we play it like that, it's almost exactly the same. Stay With Me uses all the same notes as I won't back down. It uses all the same rests in the melody as I won't back down does. The only difference is that Stay With Me starts on an extra C, whereas I Won't Back Down just starts on that E, etc. Um, so that's the most basic way that we can talk about these melodies, and a lot of transcriptions of these melodies that I've found on the internet just use those basic notes. But... Real life is a little bit more complicated sometimes than what initially meets the eye. And if you listen to these melodies a bit more carefully, there are a few spots in the melody where the singers make a scoop or a slur. So they start on one note that's a little bit lower and then scoop up to the next note. The most obvious example of that is in I Won't Back Down. And I'm going to play it now, but I'm going to put it back in G major, which is its original key, so that it's more easy to compare to the original song. Um, It goes... It's got that down in there. Um, So if you listen to the original audio. Did you catch that? Here, I'll play it one more time. And it's interesting to me because this sounds like a really important part of the melody. Like the melody wouldn't sound the same if not for that scoop in there. And yet most of the transcriptions of this melody that I found online when I was just Googling for I won't back down sheet music, most of them did not have that scoop written down in the notation. It was just without the... Or whatever. Um, and it turns out there are also some scoops in the Stay With Me melody that aren't exactly notated. Um, for instance, I can hear a very, very slight scoop at the beginning of that first stay at the beginning of the melody. So it's like, oh, won't you?
2: Oh, won't you stay?
0: But that scoop is very, very slight, and I couldn't find a single transcript of the sheet music where it had that scoop written in the melody. The one thing that I did find though in the Stay With Me Melody is that in the beginning of the second line, cause you're all I need, um, there's a little little slight kind of scoop downwards. So let me play that with the song and then with the song and the piano at once. You can kinda hear it.
2: Cause you're... <gasps>
0: So I think I only found one sheet music for Stay With Me where it actually had that little downward scoop notated in it. Um, You could definitely make the argument that all of these little scoops, runs, slides, or whatever, they're in the performance of the melody, but the melody itself is more of a broad strokes, general, abstract concept. This is like what the What the main notes of the melody are, because whenever you 're singing something it 's inherently going to be not perfectly precise if it was perfectly precise, then it would be one hundred percent auto tuned um, neither of these songs are one hundred percent auto tuned you know <laughs> um, so there'll always be a little like nuances vibrato scoops bends, etc that are that mean that the actual pitch of what is being sung is not 100% reflective of what's on the page. But that's just the nature of songs and vocal melodies in general. That doesn't necessarily mean that these two songs aren't extremely similar melodically. So even though Sam Smith and Tom Petty do not both have the exact same nuances in the way they perform the melodies, overall, it's kind of undeniable that these melodies are extremely, extremely similar. So for the sake of argument, let's just say that the only scoop that we're really going to notate is the Tom Pattier that down that he sings, because that's the only one that's like really, really pronounced. And so just in these first two vocal lines, the melody of the Tom Petty song has exactly nine notes that are identical to the Stay With Me melody. And we're going to come back to this number, this nine notes identical. We're going to come back to that later. But for now, I just wanted to briefly address the second half of the chorus of Stay With Me. Sam Smith is going... Tom Petty in, again, transposed in the key of C, he's going. So those are very similar. Um I mean, not as similar as before, but they kind of like start and end in the same place. I'm not going to get as detailed as in depth in my analysis of where those specifically line up, but you're going to just have to... <laughs> we we have to move on to the rest of the story. So anyway, to set the scene once again, it's the summer after Stay With Me is released, and so far... There are some people that are starting to notice its similarities to I Won't Back Down, but no major news outlet has really covered this story yet because there's not really a story to tell. It's just some random people on the internet that are speculating that this Sam Smith song sounds like this Tom Petty song, and that's sort of it, at least for the moment. So anyway, in December of 2014, that was when the Grammy nominations were announced. And of course, Sam Smith received so many grammy nominations in total they had six nominations uh, for best new artist album of the year for their album in the lonely hour best pop vocal album also for the same album song of the year for stay with me record of the year for stay with me and best pop solo performance again for stay with me (sighs) Ah, Sam Smith was tied for the most nominations that year with Beyonce and Pharrell. So no other artists other than Sam Smith, Beyonce, and Pharrell had more Grammy nominations, which is just wild considering, you know, most musicians would be thrilled to even get a a single nomination. And that year there were three artists that got six nominations. That is... That is absolutely crazy to me. But anyway, this is not really about my opinions. I'm trying to just give an unbiased news story at the moment with a little a little commentary here and there. I don't know. I'm still testing the waters of how I'm trying to tell this story. But anyway, so so the nominations came out in December 2014. Then one month later, in January, all of a sudden, this this is like right before the Grammys are happening, this news story broke that... Oh my gosh, Sam Smith's song Stay With Me actually has Tom Petty and his co-writer Jeff Lynn on the the writing credits in the ASCAP database, which is just public. You can search all of the songs that ASCAP has and see the songwriters and who's credited for writing that song. And without seemingly anyone noticing until now, it's like, oh wait. Tom Petty and the person who wrote I Won't Back Down With Him are already credited as writers on Stay With Me. And so the news went crazy over this. They Eventually, they got Sam Smith and Tom Petty and other people to comment on what happened. And basically, (laughs) this is crazy, in October, so three months before the news story broke, um, there was this conversation. So Tom Petty's publisher reached out to Sam Smith's team and said, hey, Sam Smith's team, you guys have this song, which sounds an awful lot like our Tom Petty song in our catalog. I think we should try to resolve this without going to court. And then Sam Smith's team was basically like, oh, my gosh, stay with me does sound an awful like an awful lot like that song and we do not want to go to court and so they basically they just settled. They said, "Okay, uh Tom Petty and Jeff Lynne, the two co-writers of I Won't Back Down, will give you 12.5% royalties. We'll ju- we'll give you those royalties. We don't have to go to court and then we're good and you'll be listed as writers on the song and that's it." And now the news is like whoa, Stay With Me is such a big hit song, and all this time, there was this behind-the-scenes settlement going on. (laughs) Um, Not all this time, just since October, but you know what I mean. So, I found, in my research for these, I found some of the quotes from what people at the time said, what they were interviewed to have said to these different news outlets, and I think it's really interesting. So, I'd like to read some of these quotes to you, if that's all right, Um, so the first quote i have is in a statement to the rolling stone uh this was not sam smith but this was their rep who said not previously familiar with the 1989 petty lynn song the writers of stay with me listened to i won't back down and acknowledged the similarity although the likeness was a complete coincidence all involved came to an immediate and amicable agreement in which Tom Petty and Jeff Lynn are now credited as co-writers of Stay With Me, along with Sam Smith, James Napier, and William Phillips. Uh, So that was a very official, formally written statement (laughs) by the person authorized to represent Sam Smith. But after that statement came out, Tom Petty himself, representing just his own side of the situation, he released a statement to the press, and Tom Petty said, About the Sam Smith thing, let me say I have never had any hard feelings towards Sam. All my years of songwriting have shown me that these things can happen. Most times you catch it before it gets out the studio door, but in this case it got by. Sam's people were very understanding of our predicament, and we easily came to an agreement. The word lawsuit was never even said, and was never my intention." and no more was to be said about it. How it got out to the press is beyond Sam or myself. Sam did the right thing, and I have thought no more about this. A musical accident, no more, no less. I wish Sam all the best for his ongoing career. Again, this was before Sam Smith came out as non-binary and using they-them pronouns, but anyway. uh, Tom Petty finishes his statement by saying, Peace and love to all which is just the best way to close a public statement to the press. I love it that Tom Petty was just super casual and informal and very, very, very nice about the whole thing. Whereas Sam Smith's representative was just stiff and firm and formal. Uh, But, but anyway, I think the really, really interesting thing here is that no one on either side is really saying, Oh, Sam Smith and their co-writers, they really intended to take advantage of Tom Petty and use this song without Tom Petty's permission and rip him off. Like, no, that, that is not what is going on. That's not what's being said. That's not what's being alleged. Uh, Sam Smith's representative is basically like, look, all three people that co-wrote Stay With Me are relatively young. They were not familiar with this random Tom Petty song from the 80s, so it was just a coincidence. And then Tom Petty is saying, yeah, you know, I totally understand that sometimes these things happen, and we're just dealing with it in the best way we could. We didn't mean for it to go out to the press, but whatever, that happened, and we're just trying to get over it, you know? So <laughs> so that's where we're at so far in the story. The The... Weird thing, though, is that somehow, for some reason, this story broke in the news literally two weeks before the Grammys. You know, Sam Smith is already nominated for six Grammys. Three of them are for the song Stay With Me. And now there's this copyright infringement against the song. I mean, there, there was no lawsuit, but there's a settlement and Sam Smith admitted that, you know, the song does sound similar. So... From the perspective of an award show, I mean, wouldn't you think that if it comes out that one of the big nominations that year, you know, Song of the Year and Record of the Year, those are both really, really prestigious awards, um, wouldn't you think that you would like, I don't know, uh, just revoke it from the nominations or disqualify it or at the very least, you know say in the nominations, like put a huge asterisk over the song and be like, oh, by the way, this song, which is made super popular by Sam Smith, it actually does use a melody from another song that came out much, much, much earlier, you know, just to acknowledge that. But that is absolutely not how they handled it. (laughs) Um, So in a statement to the Wall Street Journal, Uh, commenting on the situation and how the Grammys are coming up, the Senior Vice President of Awards at the Recording Academy said, and I quote, Since Lynn and Petty, again the writers of I Won't Back Down, did not do any new writing for this work, we are considering their original work to have been interpolated by Napier, Phillips, and Smith for Stay With Me. Lynn and Petty will not be considered nominees, nor will they be considered Grammy recipients Should the song win rather they would be given certificates to honor their participation in the work, just as any other writers of sampled or interpolated work. So, Very, very quick explanation of vocabulary. Sampling is when you use another recording in your song, like a recording of a pre-existing song, and you put that in your song. Uh, Interpolation is very similar, except you're not using the recording. You're maybe playing the same melody from another song on guitar or singing the same melody... And you're doing it with like full intent that, like, yes, I'm borrowing it from this other song, but both in sampling and interpolation. You need to get permission from that other person first. You need to get that cleared. You need to get it licensed in order for it to be fully legal. Um, So, what this senior vice president of awards is basically saying is, well, okay, this is a weird situation, but. We're just going to treat it as if he had gotten full permission from Tom Petty and Jeff Lynn originally, <laughs> you know, uh, and it'll just be like a an ordinary interpolation and and the the person who has who had written the work that was used in the Grammy nominated work they're not actually considered to be Grammy winners, and I don 't know if I was Tom Petty. I'm not sure if I would feel good about that or not good about that. It's just like, if Sam Smith did win, Tom Petty wouldn't really be given anything except just a certificate, not like an actual Grammy award. And he could make the argument that without his melody... Stay with me would not be nearly as popular or as good of a song as it was. So, it's 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 a weird it's a weird situation because at the same time I can totally see the other side of the argument, which is that Stay with me in itself what Sam Smith and their co-writers created is so special and so emotional and it just takes sure the the chorus melody from Tom Petty but just elevates it to a completely new level and the verses are totally different from the Tom Petty song, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. Like "Stay with Me is a new artistic creation. It just borrows an existing melody, so maybe it shouldn't be given a whole new Grammy Award just to the person who wrote that older melody, you know? Uh, but it's tough, it's tricky. It's almost as if the recording academy wants to just like sweep this under the rug and they're like, ah, it's it's just a sample or interpolation, whatever. It's it's not not anything special. We're not going to talk about it. We're not going to address it. Uh, they'll get the certificate. It'll be okay. Let's just, let's just hush hush, keep quiet about it and not let it interfere with the actual ceremony. Anyway, so with all of that craziness out of the way, finally on February 8th, 2015, that was when the 57th grammy awards aired on television and lo and behold sam smith out of the six total nominations that they received they won four of those nominations they won best new artist best pop vocal album record of the year and song of the year so stay with me got record of the year and song of the year and i just want to play you a little recording of uh sam smith receiving the record of the year award because i think this is just so perfect it is so so good
1: <laughs> and the winner is for record of the year sam smith
2: stay with me hey. you stay? dear lord thank you so much Um, thank you to the Academy thank you all this is the best night of my life Um, just a quick one I want to thank the man who this record is about who I fell in love with last year thank you so much for breaking my heart because you got me four Grammys
0: (laughs) (sighs) (sighs) I love that so much Um, it's just this is totally unrelated to the whole issue of whether or not the song was like infringing on the Tom Petty song just like to go up on stage in front of such a massive audience and just say something like that is so nice. It's so, just, they're being unapologetically themselves, and I just, I love that moment so much. <laughs> it's just very, very sassy. Like, I imagine for for their, I guess, apparently ex-boyfriend or whatever, um, he's probably thinking, like, you did not just say that in front of national television. Like what? Uh, anyway, anyway, I just, yeah. So in the entire span of these awards that Sam Smith is receiving for Stay With Me, both Record of the Year and Song of the Year, at no point does the Recording Academy put on the screen, oh, by the way, Tom Petty and Jeff Lynne are getting a certificate. <laughs> you know, um, they do announce the people who are winning the awards. You know, for Song of the Year, it's the songwriters. And for Record of the Year, it's the producers, the people who recorded it, uh, which in a lot of cases, they overlap. But anyway, uh, yeah, so Tom Petty and Jeff Lynn are not mentioned at all. Presumably based on that quote that I read earlier, somewhere like behind the scenes, maybe someone mailed a certificate to them. And it's like, OK, great. Yay! <laughs> uh, but yeah, so so that pretty much covers the story of "Stay with Me" from its release through it being nominated and winning the Grammy Awards. Um, I just, in terms of how do we how do we think about this? Like, is this a good ending? Is this a bad ending? Is this sort of mixed, good and bad? <laughs> I mean, if you really think about it. Tom Petty and Jeff Lynne got 12.5% of the royalties. So they're getting probably a decent chunk of change considering how much of a massive hit Stay With Me is. So they're probably, you know pretty happy there. Probably their publishers who are representing the songs are also pretty happy there. Um, And Sam Smith and their collaborators got full credit for the two Grammy Awards that they won for the song, and they didn't need to awkwardly share the stage with Tom Petty. I guess it's unfortunate it was probably embarrassing for them that this story went to the press in the way that it did. But other than that, it seems like there aren't really any hard feelings between Tom Petty and Sam Smith, and it's like, okay, we can all go home at the end of the day, and we're all still friends. We all kind of got what we wanted, more or less. You know, I'd be really interested to know what kind of negotiations went on behind the scenes with that 12.5% songwriting credit, because <laughs> that seems like they could have maybe negotiated it to be higher, definitely. It's like, oh, well, it's 30%, or we're taking you to court. You know, they could have they threatened it like that, but... I think just like the cost of going to court was just the biggest reason why they didn't want to do that. And we're probably happy with sharing the 12.5% of the royalties. But yeah, so I I guess this is a a happy ending. Um, I mean, it's up to you to decide how you want to feel about it. (laughs) Uh, but, But I think this is sort of just the tip of the iceberg because this whole case and the idea that just a short melodic phrase can be copyrightable, pulls into question a lot bigger things, not just related to Sam Smith and their song "Stay with Me," but just like how do we write music what What counts as an original melody? How do you know if a melody that you've written is the same as something else? Will we ever run out of melodies? You know all of these things. Are really pulled into question. And of course, this is not the first time a song has been alleged of copying another song. There are countless other examples. I'll be getting into just a few of them in the series, well, in the course of this series that I'm doing in my podcast. But one thing that I do want to drill in on that I think is a really, really important point from this whole story about Sam Smith is the absolute insistence that... The reason Stay With Me it sounded like I Won't Back Down, it was just an entire coincidence. Um, and I think that argument, just aside from the official statement released by Sam Smith's representative, I think, I think this is just portrayed really, really well by this interview from Sam Smith on CBC, which is a Canadian news network. This interview took place very shortly before the Grammy Awards. Um, so here is
1: a clip from that interview. Awkward perhaps, but Smith and Petty have worked it out. They'll share royalties from the song. In a statement Tom Petty called it a musical accident. And so does Smith.
2: And it was a complete accident. I never I'm 22 years old. I have n- I'm kind of I actually still haven't listened to that song. But here's a question I've always wanted to ask a sound a songwriter. Only eight notes in the octave. Few flats, is, few yeah. sharps. There's only so many notes on a piano. I,
1: I would think. Isn't it terrifying? You, you could. I mean, the whole Tom Petty thing aside, you could have a tune and think, I, "This is it. I nailed it." And then you show up in the studio and somebody oh. says, "You know what? That's been. That was done 15 years ago." Yeah, of
2: course. And it's happened. It's it's a very very yeah. um, regular thing that happens. And I didn't realize that. And I'm still learning about all this stuff. You know, I just go into the studio and. And I, that Stay with me was me just writing a song about me sleeping with too many people, and and wishing they they would stay over. That 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 was my mindset when I was writing that song. Um, and yeah, I was I was very shocked to find out that the melody was similar because um, I again twenty two had never heard the song.
0: I really really want to believe Sam Smith when they say they've never heard the song before. You know, twenty two years old not familiar with music that came out in the late eighties, you know, uh, for me personally, I can say that I had never listened to, I won't back down until I found out about that song in relationship to stay with me, you know? So I wasn't familiar with it. I'm also young. (laughs) Um, but just this whole line of reasoning, Oh, I'm young. And therefore, I've never heard the song before. That would be very, very, very hard to defend in a court. You know, if this had actually gone to court and they were testifying and saying, look, I swear I've never heard the song before. Like, how can you how can you back that up when I won't back down was also a big hit. It was also on the Billboard Hot 100 chart, not not as long as Stay With Me. You know, Stay With Me was on the Hot 100 for 54 weeks. I Won't Back Down was on the Hot 100 for 15 weeks. But still, it's like Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers were really 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 big. Uh, Sam Smith is also a big artist but like you can't just in the age of the internet where music is everywhere you can't make the argument that uh, you haven't heard this one hit song just because it was from the 80s you know Um, and it's also a very common thing for musicians when they're writing music to think that they're coming up with something original, but really they're just remembering a song that was stuck in the back of their brain, something that they heard before, but they don't immediately recognize what it is. You know, I've done that myself. I'm not going to lie. I've sat down at the piano and thought that I'm like coming up with an original melodic idea. And it's like, oh wait, no, that is actually just another song that I was thinking of. <laughs> and that's the reason why I thought it was good is because I had already heard it before, you know. So it, I think if this had gone to court, it would be very hard to prove that something like that hadn't happened. Uh, and and furthermore, like okay, sure, Sam Smith was 22 at the time, but. Their co-writers were were a little bit older, so I I did the math, and his co-writer James Napier was 29 at the time, and his co-writer William Phillips was 27. They both worked on the song "Stay with Me" too. What if? it was one of them who had suggested the melody for the chorus. You know, you never know. Uh, Just because Sam Smith is the one singing it, that doesn't necessarily mean that they wrote all the melodies. So what if, like, for instance, James Napier, who was 29 at the time the song came out, but he would have been four years old when I Won't Back Down by Tom Petty was released. So I can totally see an argument for... Maybe James, when he was young, his parents were playing the song by Tom Petty on the radio. Maybe they got it on records and it was like part of his childhood. And so it was stuck in the back of his head. And then later, when he was, you know, co writing the song with Sam Smith that melody just came out and he didn't realize that it was that other song. You know, there are so many different ways this could happen where everyone has absolutely the best intent possible and they didn't intend to copy or plagiarize, but they ended up doing so anyway. You know, just this insistence from Sam Smith saying, oh, it was just an accident. It was 100% random, 100% a coincidence. I mean, they didn't say the word random, but coincidence was used several times. So it seems like the implication is that it was just by random chance. I just, I, I feel like that's really, really hard to back up, you know? Uh, but let's just, let's just explore that for a while. Let's say, you know, as the interviewer was saying, there are only eight notes in an octave. Well, there are only eight notes in the major scale in an octave, but there are technically 12 notes overall in the octave, if we're taking into account the full chromatic scale. So what is what is the probability? You know, if this is all just random, what is the chance that 100% randomly... Sam Smith and their co-writers just happened to write a song that sounded like this Tom Petty song. How plausible is that? You know, let's, let's dive into that. I think this is a really, really fascinating topic, especially for songwriters and musicians and people who want to be creative. Um, and in order to explore this topic, we're going to get the help of Michael Stevens. Um, and what I mean by that, Michael Stevens is Vsauce on YouTube and there's this really really fascinating video called will we ever run out of new music which he put out in 2012 and in it he just goes through a bunch of different ways that people have tried to explore how many melodies are like mathematically possible considering the restraints you know of the scale and of rhythm um and i just want to like walk through some of that, but first I'm going to play you a clip from the video, the Vsauce video, where he's sort of explaining one of these calculations of the
1: total number of possible melodies in theory. On everything 2, Ferris Lepidoptera made a calculation that involved some assumptions that I think helped narrow the field down in a really nice way. She took a look at the total number of possible different melodies you could create within one octave containing any or all of the intervals we divide octaves into. Of course, sound frequencies can be divided much more granularly than that, but giving ourselves more notes might mean we could make more technically different melodies, but they wouldn't necessarily sound any different to our ears. Now, given a single measure containing any combination of whole, half, quarter, eighth, sixteenth, or thirty-second notes, she calculated that there would be this many possible unique measures. And at that point in the video, I know you can't
0: see it, but on the screen, he throws up a huge number. This number, I don't even know how you would read it. It's like, uh, it, it goes across the whole screen. It is 36 digits long in total (laughs) and so you know it's like billions of billions of billions whatever of possible melodies considering those restraints and again just to summarize this blogger uh who made this calculation is saying okay so let's say you have 12 different possible notes um six different possible rhythms for those notes and one measure of melody total and that there would be a, a crazy, crazy, crazy amount of possible melodies that would fit within those parameters. Um just t- to put that huge number in perspective, Vsauce then compares it to, oh And this is the number of total seconds long the universe has existed. You know, the universe has been around for a really, really, really long time. So the total number of seconds, while it's huge, that number is only about 18 digits long, whereas the number of possible melodies uh, in the previous calculation was 36 digits long. So several degrees of magnitude higher (laughs) than the number of seconds in the universe. So that's great and fine and dandy but you know (laughs) we have to get a little bit little bit more specific with this because actually most pop songs they don't have 30 second notes in them for instance so anyway then Vsauce goes into another calculation which uses a bit more realistic considerations when talking about the total possible number of melodies
1: Yurik D.E.'s calculation is even more specific. He stayed within one octave, but instead of looking at a complete measure, he only considered the number of unique combinations of eight notes. He also assumed that typical melodies as we know them today only contain about three different types of note length. For instance, quarter, eighth, and sixteenth, or whole, half, and quarter. To be sure, that will most likely not always be true. Musical tastes hundreds, thousands of years from now will most assuredly be different. But given melodies as we know them today, across eight notes, over 12 intervals, there are about 79 billion possible combinations.
0: Yeah, so this calculation feels a bit more grounded to me. I mean... I know that a lot of melodies are longer than eight notes, so it's not like a perfect calculation. We're never really going to have a perfect calculation because music is so dramatically different. <laughs> dramatically, <laughs> Did I just invent a word? Anyway, uh, melodies can be a lot longer than eight notes sometimes, but then again, a lot of melodies are eight notes or fewer, and you can even have a melody that's extremely recognizable that's only eight notes or less. For instance, let me play you some examples in the piano real quick. Twinkle, twinkle, little star. Beethoven's Fifth, which, by the way, was one of an example that my music business professor liked to use all the time for a super recognizable melody. Anyway. Crazy Frog. Take on me. And I Won't Back Down by Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, coming full circle. So anyway, all of those little segments of melodies that I just played are eight notes or less, and they are still very, very recognizable. Would it help? To play more of the melody, sure, I mean, I guess the Take On Me melody in particular um, sounded a little bit lacking without continuing it, but you can still recognize just from those first few notes, oh yeah, that's definitely Take On Me, to the point where if somebody else played that melody in another song, you would still be able to recognize, oh, this is not an original thing, this is still Take On Me. Um, so anyway, that's all just to say that I think with this calculation, eight notes for originality seems maybe maybe okay i mean in a minute i'll get back to this idea of do i agree with this calculation but just assuming that the calculation is correct and that there are 79 billion possibilities for any eight note melody well then sam smith's case is looking pretty pretty not great Because if it was just complete random chance that neither Sam Smith nor any of their co-writers had heard the Tom Petty song before and it was just a complete coincidence, there is maybe about a 1 in 79 billion chance that that happened, you know? (laughs) And the odds of getting struck by lightning are, according to the CDC, 1 in 500,000. So... It would be like getting struck by lightning at the top of the Empire State Building on a completely dry day on the 4th of January, you know, like that's about how unlikely it is. I'm just saying that to express how extremely (laughs) not, not great of an argument it is that Sam Smith, they're just saying, oh yeah, it was just a coincidence, totally unintentional of random chance, like... (laughs) it'd be like winning the lottery five times um so in conclusion i think that the argument that this is just random and coincidental is not justifiable at all um i i was thinking when i was planning this episode i was thinking of going into more detail on like the very specific math involved in this calculation and it's like okay well the example that Vsauce was using uh, there, there were only eight notes total but technically within the first two melodic phrases of stay with me there's like 11 notes in total but only nine of those are identical to the Tom Petty song so you could just take the same equation and adjust it for nine notes but then what do you do with those like two remaining notes that don't match up how would that calculate into like the probability and i'm sure that if you were like a math major and you know all about probability calculations that you could like give a very uh much more reasonable estimate of the probability that this is just chance than i can but i don't care to get that deep into the math right now and i don't think it's super relevant for the sake of this discussion. It's just, we can agree that it would be extremely, extremely, extremely rare for this to just happen randomly. And in the blog that Vsauce is quoting, uh, he, he put the link in the description of his YouTube video, and I checked it out, and the blogger is basically making the point that, well, even 79 or so billion possible melodies that 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 is a relatively small number considering the amount of musicians out there the number of songs that are being written every day like you would theoretically exhaust that amount of melodies relatively quickly uh if you're only talking about eight notes because according to this one copyright suit that he mentions um a court ruled that in a certain case Only an eight-note melody was what counted as being, you know, quote-unquote copyrightable material. Anyway, so he's making the point in this blog that if you're only talking about eight-notes, if that's only what's protected by copyright law, then we've already probably exhausted the possible number of eight note melodies, because 79 billion is not that much compared to the amount of time that people have been making music. So he's just making a really cynical argument that there's no real originality. Um, but in my opinion, the math doesn't show that at all. Like, Music is so complex and it's so varied and there's so much more to music than just oh these random eight notes here these random eight notes there like the the way that you deliver the performance of the melody the way that the lyrics and the melody interact the the compositional elements the production the arrangement like there's so much more that goes into a song than just this one specific eight note melody that even if okay there was this one court case where they said oh those eight notes were the same it must be copyright infringement um first of all that's not a precedent that is not universally acknowledged in court cases with copyright infringement um but second like there's so much music out there. If you even like the the original example that Vsauce was talking about, where you have up to six different types of note durations in a whole measure, uh, her calculation was that there would be almost an infinite number of melodies. You know, more melodies than could even be counted in the number of seconds in the universe. Like, I just find that that's a really beautiful calculation and. All of this mindset of, oh, we're running out of music, nothing is original, everyone's borrowing from everyone else all the time, and that's all that there can ever be. I don't think personally that the math backs up that, that argument, and I think that... Just overall, being creative, of course you're going to create something that nobody else has created before, because you were the one who created it, and you're a unique individual, you know? And now we're descending into cheesiness, territory, whatever, but um, those are my thoughts on the math in general. I do also want to play just a short clip from the ending of the Vsauce video, what he thinks about all of these similarities and calculations and things. So... Here's what Vsauce
1: thinks about it. So, interestingly, even though mathematically speaking, there are so many possible unique melodies that we can safely say there will always be room for new music, we don't seem to be wired to care. We enjoy certain patterns and melodies, and calculating how many there could be is a lot less interesting than how connected and similar all the ones that we enjoy are. It's as if we have more space than we need, more space than we could ever hope to see all of, or visit all of, or know all of. But no matter what new place we go, in a general sense, new popular music will always remind us a bit of home.
0: So I think that's a really good point because no one is creating music in a vacuum. It's not like we're just robots that are going through, oh, Here's one possible melody. Oh, here's the next possible melody. Just change one note, you know, and so on. We're, we're people and we're making music that we like and we want to listen to. And ultimately, we will be influenced by the music that came before us. Uh, and there will be parts that sound similar to what we've heard before, because that's the music that we grew up with, the music that we love. But the the issue comes into how do we determine if something is similar to the point where oh it's reminiscent of this song or this style of song or crossing a threshold of this is actually stealing from this song and it's using too much of the song you know that that boundary that threshold is very very hard to determine and from everything that i've learned about copyright law from being, you know, a music business student and taking copyright law class and also from some of this research that I've done on my own, there is no one standard for like, oh, as long as you don't copy more than 17 notes from this song, then you're okay. You know, there's there's no no rule of thumb like that. So, I think just trying to find this line and where the lines get blurred is very, very, very fascinating. And that's absolutely a pun because when I say Blurred Lines, I mean that the next case that we are going to talk about is Blurred Lines by Robin Thicke and Pharrell Williams. We are going to talk about how they were sued by the Marvin Gaye estate for the similarity between that song and Got to Give It Up by Marvin Gaye. I'm very, very excited because this is one of the most Highly debated uh, examples of a copyright infringement case where it actually did go to court, unlike with the Sam Smith, where they just settled out of court. But blurred lines, the court case was very, very interesting. And there were some very, very bizarre things said on the trial. (laughs) So... Get excited for that. That will be in the next part of this series. Credits amended part two. Stay tuned. Coming out next week. I'm so excited. Uh, And let me know what you guys think of this series uh, so far. If you think that it's cool that I'm, you know, trying out this format where I'm doing research in an episode, as opposed to just interviewing someone or talking about my own personal story. Um, And yeah, let me know if you think I should do more of it. But um, until then, uh, I will see you next time. What do I see? I see my little MIDI keyboard that I've been using to play the melodies uh, here and there throughout this podcast. Um, Yeah, have a good one. I hope whatever you're doing is going well. And until next time.